You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Alex Olson. He's a 1031 exchange uh, expert and uh, is also a real estate broker. He runs a pretty prominent brokerage outside of the Kansas City market. For those of you who have been following me in my channel, if you've heard other podcasts, uh, Logan Freeman is a guest that has come up a couple of times consistently. Alex happens to be Logan's partner in numerous real estate ventures. But Alex's expertise is on the 1031 exchange. He's done a ton of different exchange transactions and had challenges that he was able to help his clients overcome and has a pretty interesting team based in you know the the um, Kansas City market and he's got pretty he's got a pretty systematized system for helping uh, 1031 exchange clients identify opportunities and build out their team and just make sure that they run a very low risk of getting audited post the 1031 exchange. So Alex, I uh, want to thank you to thank you for coming on the show and really excited for the conversation. Yeah, man. It's great to be here. This is uh, it's a good day and a good day to be here. Awesome. So uh, tell us about, just give us a, a quick background on you in terms of the exchange part and maybe a little bit about the market you're in. And, and if you're seeing in your market, a lot of 1031 exchange happen. Uh, exchanges happen. Um, we're recording this in, you know, uh, mid 2022. So a lot going on in the market. So it'd be very interesting to see what's going on in your world. Yeah. So when I took a look at uh, becoming a real estate agent uh, back in the day, I mean, it was only a few years ago, but I actually was an investor beforehand and fell in love with the buying process, uh, but felt that there was a need within that process to, uh, you know, help other buyers that are coming in and out of the market understand the Kansas City market, understand what it's like to buy uh, investment property. Most brokers, you know, focus on the sellers because they're representing the sellers. Whereas when you're under a 1031 exchange deadline, there's not a whole lot that is representing you. Uh, you know, you kind of rely on yourself typically to find deals. Uh, but we think that we've created a system here to actually help people find and close out 1031 exchange uh, properties, whether it's triple net lease or multifamily in Kansas or Missouri and uh, primarily Kansas City market. So as, as you would expect from most of the you know, top 40 MSAs, top 50 MSAs in the country, the market's pretty hot on the multifamily side, regardless of what interest rates are doing. Uh, there's a lot of people exchanging smaller multifamily properties and upgrading into bigger multifamily properties, or maybe they want to be more passive and they get into triple net lease, neighborhood retail shopping centers uh, because they're more hands-off. Maybe it's a single tenant building that you know they can manage themselves and not have to put too much effort into. So yeah, Kansas City market's hot, um, you know, and there's all different sides to the Kansas City, you know, market. There's the urban core and suburban and, you know, next to development and outside of development. So it's a, it's an interesting market to 1031 into and probably 1031 exchange out of. 
Interesting. So in terms of the 1031 exchange market and what most 1031 exchange buyers are looking for, do you see them looking for, um, obviously we're, we're talking about multifamily on the show and you're, you're not seeing them exchange into development sites and, you know, as much as existing cash flow producing properties, are you seeing them target more in terms of the risk profile value add B and C properties or do you see a lot of investors you mentioned trade up from that risk profile and then want to do something a little bit more core core plus? How does your market fit into those uh, risk dynamics? That's a great question. The reason why it's a, a good question is because at the beginning of the conversation with a lot of our clients, the buyer clients that are on the exchange deadline, you know, they come in and want to hit a home run and, uh, you know, they're looking for a needle in a haystack, I tell them. And so we really kind of coach them to look for something that's uh, near turnkey or something the way that we would classify as light value add to where maybe it's structurally great. Maybe it has a new roof or newer roof on it. And they're wanting, you know, they're able to come in and maybe upgrade the paint color, paint some cabinets, nicer countertops for five to 10 grand a unit and uh, increase rents by 100, maybe even 200 bucks a month, depending on the property uh, in, you know, urban or suburban. So uh, definitely looking more at the value add stuff. There are investors that maybe they have purchased something in, I don't know, St. Louis and, you know, years ago, and now they're selling that property in St. Louis and they want to buy something that's B, B plus, maybe A minus here in Kansas City to really just have less on their hands uh, and, uh, you know, can be easier to manage because of the newer construction, newer technology that, that it was built with. Uh, so it's kind of a mix in those ranges. We don't really guide anybody to buy anything D or mostly vacant or in pretty bad condition. Uh, it's just way too big of a risk, especially if you're on a 1031 exchange deadline. There's no real reason for it because you're on a tight deadline and you want to make sure that you're getting a, a better, as good or better cash flowing asset than you were before, plus all the other benefits that you're, benefits that you're looking for. And uh, so, yeah, that BC class, BC class neighborhood and, and submarket, or sorry, and uh, asset type are really what most clients are looking for when they come into Kansas City. Right. That makes sense. And in terms of inventory for the type of product that you mentioned on the multi side, is there enough inventory every quarter that is going around to fulfill your clients' exchange needs in the Kansas City market? That's always the the tough part, right, is finding a replacement property. Because typically, you know, someone bought a, a property at least three, five, 10 years ago, and cap rates were six, eight, 10% back in those days. And so you have to re help the buyers reset those expectations. We have really good off-market deals that we are able to put in front of our, our clients because of, you know, we're just a cold calling machine and relationship building machine where we are able to keep deals off market for them uh, because of what we promised the seller. We're not going to waste their time. And so um, sure, everybody wants a higher and better cap rate with a newer product, but really kind of showing them the area. The good thing about Kansas City is, you know, you don't, there's not a whole lot of neighborhoods you absolutely have to stay away from. Um, 
but so, so you're able to really kind of invest almost anywhere you want to, to where there's a good deal. And we really guide people on that. Like I said, we don't really mess around with anything, you know, C minus D, D plus area. So we're going to always put clients into something that's C or better that fits their criteria. But yeah, it's always a struggle. But I think that right now at this point, we've done a good job of, of locating those deals for clients. Of course, it all depends on what price range you're looking for. But uh, uh, we've had some pretty good success here recently. Yeah, can you talk to us about the price ranges that your, um, you know, your average client is looking to in terms of deal sizes and maybe deal sizes yeah. that, yeah, unit size yeah. and purchase. Sure, price. sure. So, I mean, uh, for, for example, a lot of people are coming into the million to five million dollar range, uh, and then we have another set of people that are in the three to ten million dollar range. They're looking for replacement property in those ranges. And the best guide I have right now for on a cost per unit basis, we're seeing, you know, of course, it all depends on age and rents, but, you know, anywhere between 80 to $120,000 a unit. If you want something that's more uh, in, in a even better location, you can get up to 150, maybe even 200,000 a unit, depending on rents. Uh, and sometimes those are also based on you know, micro locations. So for example, country club plaza or downtown or something that is, you know, ultra hot that somebody wants a trophy asset. We've done those deals before as well. And those are two to $300,000 a unit. Um, just, you know, safe investments that, you know, it cash flows for them because they put 50% down kind of thing. But for people that want to use higher leverage, they don't cash flow well, but that's a typical, purchase price range. And then on occasion, we have people that are, hey, look, I, I need something that's 20 million bucks. I actually just talking to a guy this morning that he's looking for a uh, 30 to $35 million uh, replacement property for him by the end of this year. So it really does kind of run the gamut. Those larger properties are, of course, harder to locate just because there's not that many deals that are transacted a year in Kansas City that are that big. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And that's why I've asked about the market there. Uh, some of the Midwest markets inventory for, let's say, 100 plus units in any neighborhood mm -hmm. um, is a little bit more scarce than some other markets. So that's an interesting uh, phenomenon. Uh, can, you, can you talk about, um, are you seeing more investors over the past, maybe even just this year, utilize the 1031 exchange um, or are they looking into different tax deferred vehicles such as deferred sales trust and some other installment sale um, uh, options that have kind of come out to the forefront of the real estate in the, in the real estate world? Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you asked that because I just got off the phone with a, uh, a local DST expert, I would call him here, and they really help put people into those options. Myself, as more of a real estate broker, we don't focus too much on those. However, when we are talking to sellers, they are really interested in what a DST is because they hear about the passive nature of it and the cash flow that you can get from those. And so when you look at the DST option versus maybe an asset managed option where it's still pretty dang passive, but you're managing the asset manager or an active management, um, it kind of runs the gamut. There's some people that are older in age that uh, have had their property for 25, 30 years, and they're either willing to upgrade and, and buy something newer is typically where they go, 
Or, yeah, they want to be completely passive. And so they're very interested in the DST world. Um, you know, there, and then there's also the other option too, which you're probably familiar with is the you know, tenants in common and you're 1031 into a tick structure. Those are harder to generate, harder to find, but um, they are available. And if we can get the right 1031 clients together, that's another way to invest passively on the 1031 exchange side. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit more on the, the ladder structure in regards to are you the tenancy in common? Yeah. Uh, ticking with other exchange sellers to buy together. Like what do you, and, or, te- you know, ticking into syndications, what are you trying to? I yes. Yeah, exactly. So when you're ticking into a syndication, I, I think at that point it becomes a little bit less of a syndication, um, you know, technically, and there's all the, the rules and regulations around uh, how that has to happen uh, with accredited investors, non-accredited investors, but um, there are opportunities on occasion where we've got three or four people that are looking to maybe become pretty passive or become very passive. And so they will take into uh, a larger investment to maybe there's three or four different uh, LLCs that own this piece of property for maybe 10, 15, 20, $25 million. Uh, and you're getting similar to a syndication where you're getting a preferred return and and, and all the waterfalls that you would normally see in a syndication model, uh, those are harder to find and harder to uh, generate, but they are available with the right set of investors. And again, those are hard to find and, and, and become available, but we do on occasion are able to put those together and um, you know they've been a pretty good source of success. So uh, I would definitely consider that if you're interested in, in looking into some bigger 1031 deals. Awesome. That's great. And Alex, as we wind down the show, how can my audience find you? What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. Best way to reach out to you, of course, is my website, exchangecre.com. That's with an X. Uh, and, you know, LinkedIn, you know, we're connected on LinkedIn. Love, love reaching out to people on LinkedIn, uh, questions, comments. You can follow me. You can see all, I'm always talking about Kansas City multifamily. Uh, and then also have a YouTube channel as well. They're all around the Exchange CRE brand and uh, look forward to, to hearing from people. Awesome. And we'll have a link to Alex's website and LinkedIn social media in our social media and also in our iTunes description. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would help Alex and I get our message out to a greater audience. So thanks for coming on the show today and really looking forward to staying in touch. Okay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take care.